This is a podcast by The Straits Times. You're listening to Invest Talk, a series by The Straits Times podcast channel, Your Money and Career. At Invest Talk, we talk about money matters and all things related to investing. We want to give you that extra edge in managing your hard-earned money. I am Ven Srinivasan, and I'm the Associate Editor at The Straits Times. Joining me in this studio for this episode is Vasu Menon, Executive Director of Investment Strategy at OCBC Bank. Glad to have you on our show again, Vasu. Thank you, Ven. Thanks for having me on the show again. In this episode, we will discuss about the investment outlook for the second half of 2023 and beyond and how investors can navigate the current uncertainties and turbulent markets. So Vasu, after a dismal 2022, stock and bond markets have staged a rebound this year despite a slew of global uncertainties, including concerns about the outlook for inflation and interest rates, worries about the US banking sector, and fears of an economic and earnings recession. Year-to-date, the S&P 500 is up 11.3%. Can you help us make sense of why markets have done fairly well so far this year, despite all these uncertainties? Then you are right. Despite the wall of worries, uh, you know, investment markets have actually defied gravity. And some have even posted strong gains so far this year. Well, I guess uh, valuations are looking better after the sell-off last year. So we saw some degree of bargain hunting taking place in the markets. In addition to that, optimism that interest rates would peak soon also benefited the investment markets. Now, overall, global equities have done better than global bonds in the first five months of this year, although both have posted positive returns. Global equities rose by nearly 9% in the first five months, while global bonds managed to post a corresponding return of just over 1%. But if you take a closer look at the price action in the stock markets, what you see is a very bumpy ride with lots of twists and turns. So while global stock markets are in positive territory this year, it has not been an easy climb. There were periods when markets ran into turbulence due to concerns about inflation, the U.S. banking sector, the U.S. debt ceiling, and worries about a recession in developed markets. Also, if you look at stocks on Wall Street, it is interesting to note that it has been led by tech stocks. Now take the S&P 500 index, for example. You will see that the rally so far this year has not been broad-based. It was led by a handful of mega tech stocks which benefited from lower bond yields, earnings optimism, as well as the craze about artificial intelligence. So Vasu, looking ahead into the second half of this year, where do you see economies and the market headed? Well, you know, going forward, we expect market volatility to remain a fixture as the tug of war between hope and fear continues. Fear about high inflation and interest rates and concerns about a U.S. recession and the U.S. banking sector remain worries that continue to keep investors on edge. However, investors are also hopeful that inflation could fall further, and a recession, if it happens, will not be a severe one, and it will not cause a hard landing for the U.S. economy and the markets. Now, investors are also hopeful that banking problems in the U.S. could ease, especially if the U.S. Federal Reserve cuts interest rates in time although we think this is not going to happen anytime soon. In fact, several officials from the U.S. Federal Reserve have expressed concerns 
about high inflation, which means that we cannot totally write off the possibility of more rate hikes, although we think that rates are close to a peak, if not already at the peak. Now, bear in mind that the US Federal Reserve has already raised interest rates sharply by 5% in the last 15 months. And it may want to be more cautious going forward in case it miscalculates and hikes interest rates too much and causes a hard landing. There's usually a lag effect between interest rate hikes and the impact on the economy. So there's a good possibility that the sharp rate hikes that the Fed has undertaken so far may cause a recession in the coming quarters. Wasu, what about geopolitical concerns? How will this impact the markets? Well, geopolitical risk is definitely something that investors need to keep in mind, especially if it affects economic and corporate fundamentals. Now, the war in Ukraine, for example, has gone on much longer than expected. Now, as long as it is not resolved, it remains a concern for investors who are keeping a close eye on the situation there. US-China tension because of Ukraine, Taiwan, and the tech war between the two economic giants is another source of worry for investors. Developments here can affect global supply chains and output prices. And more recently, the political situation in the US, where we saw the Republicans and Democrats at loggerheads over raising the US debt ceiling. Now, this worried investors and cost market volatility. This is because investors know that a default by the US government is unprecedented and can cause shockwaves in global economies and markets. So in a nutshell, then, geopolitics remains a real and present danger for investors if it impacts the economy and earnings. So investors need to be cognizant of geopolitical risk. So Vasu, you mentioned the debt ceiling. After a long stalemate, Republicans and the Democrats finally agreed to lift the $31.4 trillion debt ceiling recently. And that brought some cheer to the market. With the debt ceiling out of the way, can investors now turn positive on the outlook and start investing with greater confidence? Well, when while raising the US debt ceiling has removed one major uncertainty, it may not signal the end of volatility of the markets. Now, several other uncertainties continue to linger on the horizon, which could translate to a bumpy ride for investors in the coming months and weeks. Now, investors should not lose sight of the bigger picture, which remains murky. There is still a lack of clarity on several macro issues, including inflation, interest rates, a US recession, banking sector problems in the US, and geopolitical worries. Now, these issues will continue to resurface from time to time and keep investors on edge and the markets choppy. Also, bear in mind that the debt ceiling can have a contractionary effect on the US economy. In exchange for Republican votes for suspending the debt ceiling, the Democrats had to agree to cap federal spending for the next two years. Now, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office in the US has estimated that the debt deal could cut the US government's budget deficit by as much as $1.5 trillion over the next 10 years. Now, this means that the debt ceiling deal will be fiscally contractionary and could weigh on the US economy. Also, now that the debt ceiling is suspended, the US Treasury will need to replenish its cash balances, which have been depleted badly. The resulting surge in Treasury bill sales may suck up a significant amount of liquidity from the markets. Now, this will add more pressure on the markets at a time when the US Federal Reserve is already undertaking quantitative tightening and withdrawing liquidity by shrinking its balance sheet. 
Many investors are confused about what they should do now. Should they be looking to buy or sell out or stay in cash? What's the best strategy for investors to adopt at this juncture? While there are good reasons to tread cautiously in the coming months, investors should not be overly negative. And for those with the patience and medium-term horizon, opportunities can still be found, especially on market pullbacks. Don't forget that market valuations are not excessive and there's an abundance of idle liquidity on the sidelines looking to get back in with a vengeance once the outlook improves and the Fed cuts rates. So despite the shorter market volatility and uncertainty, investors should stay invested and continue to invest gradually over time and buy selectively instead of staying largely in cash. Now, it makes, still makes sense to hold more cash than usual in case the markets pull back sharply in the short term and throw up opportunities. But it does not make sense to hold only cash and stay out of the markets altogether as the medium-term outlook is still sanguine. It is possible that 2023 may prove to be a good year to accumulate gradually on market pullbacks to position for better returns in 2024 and beyond. Now remember that once the US Federal Reserve overcomes inflation and once a recession is out of the way, markets could stage a good and more sustainable rebound given the abundance of liquidity on the sidelines waiting for bluer skies. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Let's get back to the conversation on investment outlook for the second half of 2023 and beyond with my guest, Vasu Menon, the Executive Director of Investment Strategy at OCBC Bank. Vasu, you said that investors should stay invested and accumulate gradually. Can you highlight some opportunities for them to keep in mind? We are firm believers in diversification and believe that opportunities can be found among both equities and bonds. Now, as part of risk management, I think it is important not to throw all your eggs into one basket and it's important to keep a diversified portfolio. Now, in the equity space, we have recently upgraded Japan to overweight from neutral. While Japanese equities have done well year-to-date, we see the potential for more upside ahead. In contrast to the declining growth across developed markets, we expect Japan's economic outlook to stay resilient. Now, and unlike the US and Europe, Japan does not or did not conduct outsized pandemic-related spending and is clearly less dependent on natural gas imports compared to Europe. Now, in addition, the Bank of Japan does not face a similar urgency like the Fed or the ECB to hike rates, which is a major headwind for asset prices. Easy monetary policy and a weak yen are set to remain supportive of Japan's economy and asset prices. Elsewhere, the renewed push for COVID to reform corporate governance in Japan will also benefit equity valuations. Japanese companies sit on high levels of cash and have historically lagged the developed market peers in returning capital to shareholders. However, with more shareholder-friendly corporate governance, we expect global investors who are underallocated to Japanese equities to increase their allocation to Japanese equities. And in the bond space, we are positive on investment-grade bonds. Now, aside from clipping coupon for yield, investment-grade bonds also offer a hedge against recession, which could become reality in the coming quarters. 
In addition, if the US Federal Reserve cuts interest rates, possibly in 2024, this should benefit investment-grade bonds, causing their prices to rise and allowing investors to benefit from capital gains as well. Okay, Wasu. What about gold? It has done well so far this year, but it is still worth buying at its juncture, you reckon? You're right, Ven. Gold has uh, done well. It has risen about 7% in the first five months of this year, but prices have been volatile. Now, going forward, we remain sanguine on gold as it serves as a hedge against global uncertainties. Supporting our optimism towards gold is also our view of medium-term US dollar weakness, increased recession risk, the possibility of Fed rate cuts in 2024, and simmering geopolitical tensions which could stimulate more strategic investments in gold. Now, bear in mind that central banks have been buying gold and could continue to add more gold to their reserves to hedge against geopolitical and economic risks. So in a nutshell, it makes sense to have some gold in your portfolio, but please do not overinvest in it. Gold is a useful portfolio diversifier and a good hedge against global uncertainties. In essence, you can think of gold as an insurance against unexpected risks. Vasu, what are some of the key themes to keep in mind? Well, then, two mega themes that investors ought to keep in mind for the long term are technology and ESG. Now, both these themes are going to revolutionize the world in the coming years and the way individuals and companies operate. Now, investors with the risk appetite and a long-term horizon may wish to have some representation of these themes in their portfolios. However, the tech sector is a volatile sector and a very diverse one. So investors need to make sure that they do not overinvest in the sector, although it's been invoked this year. Invest selectively and manage your exposure within a diversified portfolio and avoid concentrated position, especially in the tech sector. So finally, here comes the big question. Could market surprise all of us and stage a strong rebound in the next 12 to 18 months? Good question, Ben. It is possible that markets can hit higher in the next six months, although we expect a very bumpy ride. Now, there's still a lot of uncertainty about inflation, interest rates, a looming recession, all of which could hurt corporate earnings. Nevertheless, if you look at the history of US stock markets, which leads many other global markets, there is room for some optimism. Since 1928, the S&P 500 index has only fallen for two straight years on four occasions. So there's a good chance that the index may post again this year after falling last year. Now, for a sustained market rebound, we need greater clarity about inflation and interest rates, and we need the risk of a recession to be better priced into the markets. We need to see clear signs that inflation has peaked and it is rolling over. And we also need the Fed to signal clearly that rates have peaked and rate cuts could happen in due course. In the meantime, nervous investors will keep a close watch on US inflation data and Fed rhetoric and look out for signs of a US recession. Now, all this means that markets will remain volatile in the next six months. But if you look further out into 2024, and if the US inflation comes down more meaningfully by then, perhaps on the back of a mild recession, and if the Fed cuts rates, this could give the markets a nice lift. If you look back into the early 1980s, the S&P 500 index initially fell sharply by 30% over a two-and-a-half-year period when the Fed fought an aggressive battle against inflation. But when the Fed won that battle against inflation, what followed was a strong rally of more than 200% 
which lasted over five years. So there are still good reasons to be optimistic if you're a medium to long-term investor with strong holding power. Remember that dark clouds never last forever. They eventually make way for the sun and bluer skies. Well, there you have it from Vasu Menon, Executive Director at OCBC. Thanks for your insights, Vasu. My pleasure, Ven, and thanks for having me on the show. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Invest Talk, a series by the Straits Times podcast channel, Your Money and Career. I'm Ven Srinivasan. You can also get more career and personal finance tips in the latest edition of ST's Head Start newsletter. We have all the links in our show notes and we'll be back in the third Monday of every month with Invest Talk. So happy investing. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Do note, all analyses, opinions, recommendations and other information in this podcast are for general information purposes only and are not intended to be relied upon as financial advice. You should not rely on them in making any decision. Please consult a fully qualified financial advisor or professional expert for independent advice and verification. To the fullest extent permitted by law, SPH Media shall not be liable for any loss arising from the use of or reliance on any analyses, opinions, recommendations and other information in this podcast. SPH Media accepts no responsibility or liability whatsoever that may result or arise from the products, services or information of any third parties. All opinions expressed by participants in this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of SPH Media.